0: So uh, this morning I had the opportunity to meet with uh, one of the uh, ladies that have been coming with uh, Jacek and our Polish uh, group and we're uh, super thankful for the move of God because the wonderful thing about the gospel is that the gospel transcends nationality, right? It transcends race, it transcends education and intellect, it, it transcends economic boundaries and as a family... The, the gospel unites us together. And uh, this morning, and, and you'll have to forgive me with my pronunciation, my Polish is a little off. Um, I can say Polish sausage, and that's about the extent of my um, my Polishness. And so I met with Elizabeth this morning. Would you stand real quick, Elizabeth? And so she this morning, and you're going to get to meet her next week, she's going to become a member of our church. Uh, a lot of the, yay, yeah, man. And a lot of the... Uh, Please keep standing just for a second, but um, several of the, 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 the folks uh, that have been coming with Jossick, they're getting baptized next week. Pastor Paul is going to baptize them uh, in a lake, amen? And uh, I, I'm like, we got a heated baptistry, and I'll do that if you want to do the lake. God bless you, Pastor Paul. We, we, we commend that ministry to you. And, uh, but she shared with me that she was living in Poland, came to America, went back to Poland, and came back to America. Realized her life was kind of undone, and she reached a dark place in her life, and she found the Word of God. And she started reading the Bible and read in Genesis how she is a, uh, created in the image of God. And then uh, she didn't understand some things that she was reading, and so she got online and found on YouTube Pastor Paul. And she started listening to the message of the gospel. And uh, this morning she wrote out this beautiful testimony of how Jesus Christ came into her life, saved her, and transformed her. And now she knows a piece that she didn't know before. Amen. You can have a seat. Amen. Have a seat. The reason I tell you that story this morning is because that should not be an abnormal, uh, 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 that, should that shouldn't be unique in the family of God, right? That should be the stories that we tell, and that should be the, the supernatural movement among the people of God. And what we find in the Word of God, and we find this in the life of Nehemiah, that here was a man who was a, who was a world changer. And when we think of the idea of being a world changer, and I know this came up in our group several weeks ago, the idea of changing the world, it can seem a bit daunting. It can seem a bit expansive. But I'm telling you from the Word of God this morning that God takes ordinary people in ordinary places, and He uses them to change the world. And God is bringing the world, and He's bringing opportunities right to our front doorstep. And you have to be somewhat blind not to be able to see the opportunities that God gives us right in front of us. When you think about this passage that Mike read this morning, and it's one of the quotes in your notes today, but I love this quote Anyone can go through life as a destroyer, but God has called his people to be builders. That's what God's called us to do. God has called us to be a people who build up. And I want to ask you this morning, just as we think about the passage this morning and the message, I want to ask you, what are you building? What are you building? I want to ask you the question, who are you serving and how are you trying to make a difference? As we as we come to the conclusion of this, this, this uh, message series, I want you to ask yourself the question, what am I building? Who am I serving? How am I changing the world around me? God has given you personally an individual and a specific calling and a giftedness that he hasn't given to anyone else. Jossic, I mean, uh, God is using him to bring other Polish people together so that they can worship, and so that the gospel continue to spread to people that speak a different language than the English language that we speak today. And that's his calling. And for you, it might be to start a Bible study at your workplace. It might be to help those, and we're going to talk about this in just a few months. It might be to help orphans. It might be to help widows. It might be to uh, uh, help stop uh, sex trafficking, and we're going to speak on that here in the next several months. But, But God has individually gifted us And he wants us to use our life and our resources and our abilities and leverage that for the kingdom of God. Because we live for something that is transcendent, something that outlasts and outlives anything that this world has to offer. But I want to warn you this morning the closer that you get to doing what God wants done, the harder your enemy will fight to stop you. The closer you get to doing what God wants you to do, the harder your enemy will fight to stop you. And this is exactly what we find happening in the life of Nehemiah. His enemies were trying to stop the work of God. And Mike read this morning in verses five through seven that Nehemiah's enemies began by trying to distract him. They tried to provide distractions. And we're going to talk about this here in a moment, but they tried to distract him from doing what God wanted him to do. And what uh, Nehemiah's response was awesome, because he continued to do the work, and he refused to come down from the work that God had commissioned him to do. And for some of you this morning, your, your story might be, hey, man, I really used to serve God, and I used to, I used to do this, and I used to do that. And, 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 and I'm asking you, like, what are you doing today? How are you serving your God today? Because maybe somewhere along the way, somewhere in your journey, you got distracted. Maybe someone uh, tried to spread some rumors about you. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe, maybe you got your eyes off the prize and you forgot what you were living for and you got distracted. But then also, the enemies tried to discredit Nehemiah. They spread rumors about him. They tempted to, uh, to, to comp- have him compromise, and yet Nehemiah refused to quit. He refused to give up. It reminds me of that, that picture where um, the, the pelican is trying to eat the... Uh, uh, the frog and the frogs holding on to his neck, like he's just not going to be swallowed. If you've ever seen that in someone's office, is a you know don't ever quit. And, and one writer, one pastor once said, "It's always too soon to quit." And I believe this morning, we miss out on potential spiritual breakthroughs. We miss out on uh, fruit bearing times and seasons in our life simply because we stop short right in front of God's blessing. It's always too soon to quit. People who change the world are leaders who don't quit. They're they're leaders who finish strong. And this is what we find in the book of Nehemiah. And we find it in verse number 15. The Bible says the wall was finished on the 25th day of the the month Elu. And listen, in 52 days. It was a miracle in what they did. But the amazing thing is is that this is chapter 6. It goes on for several more chapters. But we find here Nehemiah's faithfulness. And what I want you to understand here this morning, Nehemiah's faithfulness... It wasn't about Nehemiah's ability to, to grind it out. It wasn't about that. Nehemiah's ability to finish strong had nothing to do with Nehemiah and everything to do with God. Nehemiah had this high view, this transcendent, immense view of God. And if you have that kind of view, it will take you the distance. God, who God is, and I say this all the time, who God is, will always take you further than what God can do. Who God is and really what it comes down to in the life of Nehemiah and what allowed him to go to the distance and what allowed him to finish strong was not all the things that God did in his life and through his life. It was Nehemiah's view of a big, sovereign, immense, holy, powerful, and transcendent God. His God was so big understanding the character and the nature of God motivates us. It sustains us when we want to quit and throw in the towel. And this morning, you might be thinking, man, is it really worth it to be faithful in my marriage? Is it really worth it for me to bring my kids to church and to try to serve Jesus? Is it worth it to give and to serve? Is it, is it worth it to try to, change the world is it worth it to live for the kingdom and i'm going to tell you this morning when you have this this high view of a supreme and sovereign god i can tell you over and over and yes and amen it is worth it every time it's worth it every time because god is powerful and god loves us and he calls us and he invites us into his mission to do what he's called us to do nehemiah you knew firsthand the power of god to restore and rescue people. And I want, to, I want to ask you this morning, I want to remind you, and I want, I want to ask you, do you know the power of God to restore? Like some of you this morning, maybe you're like, hey man, my life is like completely messed up. My life is broken and I've made some choices this past year and the last few months and, and, and I'm just, I'm kind of away from God right now. I want you to know the power of God to restore and make all things new. Like that's what He does. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I've never came to a place where I really knew God or or I, I know some friends and and they're far from God and, and Lord, I want, I want to ask you today, like it says in the Old Testament, is anything too hard for God? Is the, is the Lord's arm too short and that it cannot save? And we need to get back and be reminded that our God can save to the uttermost. Our God can reach to the darkest pit to the to the deepest pit, and he can redeem and rescue and restore and make all things new in any person's life and this is exactly what God was doing in the life of Nehemiah and for his people but what I want to draw your attention to this morning are three principles that guided Nehemiah's life to help him to finish strong because there's nothing worse than not finishing a race my wife and I we were with her parents the other night and this year we had the opportunity to go to Breckenridge Colorado and we were there we went to the front desk and we got a map of all the trails that were around the hotel that we could go to. Uh, I really enjoy hiking and I, I like being out in nature. And uh, 10, 15 years ago I, I wasn't my thing but um, just kind of gotten into to being outdoors and, and so um, we met some folks and they're like, hey, go, go hike on this trail. It's about three and a half miles there and back and uh, you know, go check it out. So my wife and I before dinner one night, we throw on our gear, and we start, you know, uh, the climb up this hill. And and we start going, and we go, and we go, and we go. And um, we get, and I've got my my ticker on, and I'm like, hey, baby, um, we're three and a half miles into this journey. And, um, And it was a journey, right? Altitude's deep up there. My nose is bleeding. I can't breathe. I'm just sucking wind. It's crazy out in Colorado, right? So we're climbing this hill, and it's starting to get dark. And I'm like, baby, um, I know you want to reach the top, but, I mean, we're three and a half miles in. And I I think, I literally think there's another three and a half miles to go. And she's like, I really want to get to the top. And I said, baby, I'm no Bear Gillis. If the sun goes down, it's every man and woman for themselves. (laughs) I'm like, we need to go. And to this day, we're kind of frustrated that we didn't go to the peak. Isn't that weird how we're built to finish? We're built to complete the task. And maybe in your life, maybe there's something that you have in your life that you know like, I just didn't finish this. I didn't complete this. And it kind of nags at you. For me, I look in, in my life and in the, the circles that I'm in and I'm, I'm in the ministry and I serve as a pastor and, and Mike and John and others will understand this. How many pastors that we know that they, they didn't finish well? They made mistakes along the way that disqualified them or discredited them. Um, and, and it was decisions that they made And and they just didn't finish the race that God had for them. I don't think any one of us this morning wants to come down to the end of our life and regret the path that we took and say, you know, I didn't finish this. I didn't finish strong. I didn't finish well. So Nehemiah's understanding of God gives us three principles to guide our life, to help us finish strong. And the first one is this. It's focus. Nehemiah was focused, and he was focused because of his calling. Nehemiah knew God's calling on his life. He knew his purpose and he knew what God was leading him to do. And this gave him focus regardless of the difficulty. And again, I want to ask you again, I want to implore you, do you know what God has called you to do? Now, for every one of us, the priority, the main calling that we have in life is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Every day we should wake up and we should read the Word of God and we should spend time in prayer. And everywhere we go, we should spread the good news of the gospel. And we're not just inviting people to church to get them to come to church on a special day. No, we're just sharing with people what God is up to in our life. How God is changing us and how God is transforming us. And, and we're going to use that to help transform the lives of other people. And so, so on one hand, our first priority is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And on the other side of the, 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 the coin there, we understand that God has given us a unique calling and a giftedness to do something for him that nobody else can do. I want to ask you this morning, are you doing that? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Because it will give you focus. It will give you direction. And for Nehemiah, he had the the discernment and he had the determination because he was focused on his calling. He refused to be influenced by the repeated offers of these men to come down from the wall. Nothing was going to distract him from his calling. Distraction is the tool of the enemy that he uses Uh, to destroy God's purpose in our lives. Distraction will destroy God's purpose in your life if you get distracted. Don't lose focus on what really matters. Don't lose focus on your calling. Instead of getting sidetracked by their attempts to distract, Nehemiah focused on what God called him to do. I want to ask you this morning, are you focused on your critics or are you focused on the calling of God on your life? Because I'm going to tell you, The moment you step out to do something for God, someone's going to criticize you. Man, you must be one of them Jesus freaks or those Jesus weirdos, right? Bible thumper, you know? Hell of fire and brimstone. And so you're going to get some criticism along the way the moment that you step out in faith to do something that God has called you to do. I want to ask you today, are you focused on your calling? Are you focused on the critics? Because distraction derails us from really experiencing God's blessing in our life. Hey, listen, don't let people that are going to criticize you allow you to forfeit God's blessing and God's power on your life. Don't let that happen. Do what God has called you to do. Walk by faith and not by sight and seek to please men. Seek to please God rather than men. Seek to make it your aim and your ambition to be pleasing to God and to God alone. Some of the greatest mistakes that I've made in my life My ministry and even my marriage have been when I've cared more about what people think rather than what God thinks. Boy, do we have to get to the place. And I wrote this in my journal today because I was reading in Proverbs chapter 23, fear the Lord always. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we walk with the fear of man rather than the fear of God. And it's not the fear of God in the sense that he's cracking me every time I do something wrong. It's this reverential trust and awe that God's got me. God's going to resource me. God's going to direct me. God's going to protect me. God's going to move me all along the way. And so no matter what obstacles or difficulties or obstructions come my way, we serve a king. And he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he sits on a throne and he rules and he reigns. And we can trust him. When when God's purpose is your focus, you walk with courage into the future. When God's purpose is your focus, you walk with courage into the future. And I hope today that every single one of you would leave here today knowing that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ and knowing what God specifically called you to do and to leave here today with courage walking into the future. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful to leave here today knowing specifically and exactly what God wants to do with your life, and how he wants to do it, and, and you may not have all the answers, you may not know how it's even going to be resourced, resource, but you know, God wants me to take this step, and then this step, and then this step, and then all of a sudden you're looking around and you're like, wow, how did this happen? How did this come about? Nehemiah's probably sitting there 52 days after the fact, and he's like, holy cow, the wall's built. How did this happen? You know how it happened? One brick at a time, man. Just one brick at a time. And that's all God for many of us is calling us to do is to put in one brick at a time. And then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, oh, man, there's this wall. And God did this. So I want I to encourage you today. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And this isn't a prosperity gospel verse, but it means this, that when you align your heart and your mind and your life and your dreams and your ambitions with the, with the purpose and plan of God, God will bless you all along the way. God will reward you for your faith. God will reward you for your faithfulness. God will reward you for your focus. And so I ask you again, what are the distractions right now that are hijacking God's purpose in your life? Well, what distractions right now are hijacking God's purpose in your life? Is it too much television? Is it too much social, social media? Maybe, maybe you've maybe you got something big on your heart right now and you know you want to do it for God, but maybe you're afraid of those who might criticize you for taking a step out by faith. Maybe, maybe there's some people that have complained, and you're like, I don't want to deal with the complainers. Hey, complainers never built the kingdom of God, right? Amen? Hey, I want to tell you today, like, worry about pleasing God. And don't worry about pleasing man. I, I don't want my kids to grow up in an environment where they're worried about the critics. Because I want my kids to know that no matter what happens in life, there will always be someone that's throwing stones at the wall that you're trying to build. There's always going to be, I call them swaggerjackers, man. You share something that God's doing in your heart and your life, and you're like, hey, man, you know, God wants to do this. I had breakfast with a man this week, and uh, we, we he shared with me some his heart on reaching men in our church and and, and developing men in our church. Um, and, and how are we going to do that, and what is that going to look like? And I, and I'm, I love the passion, and I, and I love the burden of that. And I don't want to be one of those guys like, well, how are we going to do this? I just want to be, wow, let's do this, man. Let's do this and let's do it for the glory of God. And if we take this step, then God will bless us here. And then when we take this step, then God's going to bless that. And then we do this. Then God will continue to bless as we follow Him. I love the passage in Psalms where it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And when you want what God wants, you'll never lack what you need to do God's will. When you want what God wants, you'll never lack what you need to do God's will. But don't miss this. The danger is that distraction could potentially be your downfall. So Nehemiah was guided by focus, but he was also guided by faith. Nehemiah was obviously a man of faith. And his faith didn't come from himself. And I want to be very clear on that today. Because I'm not going to tell you today, like, have more faith in God. Nehemiah's faith was rooted in his time spent with God. Nehemiah's faith came from his communion with the Lord. He knew the power of prayer and dependence on God. And, and in these first six and seven, six, six chapters, over and over again, we see Nehemiah leaning into this sovereign God, this ruling king uh, who, who would provide and resource and protect him every step of the way. And even in this text, we see Nehemiah in the midst of his calling, in the midst of his work, reaching out and calling out to God for help in those moments. Here was a man that knew what it was to depend on God. And I want to tell you today, courage to stand and stay faithful are cultivated. Courage to stand and stay faithful are cultivated in times and in seasons of communion. If I were being honest with you today, I struggle greatly at times with being overwhelmed. And with anxiety. And I know some people are like, man, I get social anxiety, like being around people. And a lot of times people just think I'm weird. They just think that I'm rude, you know, just to be honest with you. And it's really not that at all. Sometimes I just get incredibly socially awkward because my anxiety uh, hits like a, an all time level. And, and sometimes I just get overwhelmed by the tasks that need to be done and the things that God uh, seemingly wants me to do. And I'm going to tell you, the days that I struggle the most are the days when I'm lacking communion with God. And I'm not saying all of that to have you feel sorry for me. Because we sang this wonderful song today about overcoming. and We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome because the victory has been won in Jesus Christ. And he has, he has given his life and he was buried and he came back from the dead so that we can be new creations in Christ so I can take my fear to God, and he turns it into faith. Because the Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound or a self-controlled mind. And a lot of times when my mind starts going in all these different directions, and it's like a chess game up there. Like, well, if this happens, I'm going to do this and this and this. And then I start kind of going borderline nuts in my head, you know. And then I just say, what am I worried about? I'm going to replace this worry with confidence in the will in the word in the wisdom of God And then I fall on my knees in worship and I say, God, in this moment, this is outside of my control. My kids, they're outside of my control. My job, whether people like me or love me or accept me or uh, if they, whatever, whatever it is. How am I going to pay for this bill? How am I going to fix my marriage? How am I going to uh, have friends? Or why do I feel so lonely? I'm going to bring that to God and I'm going to see my faith grow because I'm going to see him work. I'm going to see him move. I want to tell you this morning, depending on the faithfulness of God will inevitably, inevitably be a life that is empowered to fulfill God's purposes in your life. There's a lot of things that you can do in your own strength, but that's all you'll be able to do. But when you lean into God and you depend on him, when I'm weak, he is strong. And God can do far abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine. In fact, in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, call unto me and I will answer you and show thee great and mighty things that you know not. So look, continue doing things in your own strength and tell me and come back to me, how is that working for you? Or turn in dependence on God and let's see what he can do, things that we can't even imagine or understand, amen? And so when it comes to our marriage and when it comes to our kids and when it comes to our finances and when it comes to our church and the the calling of God on our lives, let's give that to God and let Him be sovereign over our life and depend on Him and walk with Him. And I'm gonna tell you, God is at work. God is moving. We just need to figure out what He's doing and get in line with the will of God for our life. Stop resisting what God is doing. I struggle and I'm just confessing sin today. I don't know why, but the Lord has prompted me to do this. But I struggle with impatience. You know, I I really struggle with understanding people and why they do some of the things they do. And it's probably not a gracious thing to say, but oftentimes I'm sitting there reflecting on some of the things that people do. And I'm like, that is the most idiotic thing that I can imagine. Why would you do that? And why are you doing it that way? And let me give you five different ways to do it better than what you're doing, because this is broken, right? I just struggle with that. And this week we uh, moved into our new home, and um, on Thursday I had my whole day. I had a day off, and I, was gonna, I had a bunch of things I needed to get done. And that morning I got up early, I went for a walk, came back home. My wife comes to me, and she says, I, uh, I locked us out of the house. And I mean, I don't really get mad. I mean, I used, I used to have a problem with anger and frustration. And, but I just told her, I said, I'm angry with you right now. I'm really frustrated. Why did you lock the garage Nobody locks the garage door. Why would you do We didn't even lock the door in our old house. We just let people come in whenever they want. Why would you lock that? And then when the guy came, the, 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 the locksmith comes to the house, he goes, hey, this is job security. He goes, people lock this door all the time. This is what keeps me in business. Of course, as soon as he left, I said, you're not going to believe what he just said. A few hours later, that probably was the next day after I'd repented, right, I came to her and I said, you know, that was a moment of sanctification for me. And I said, I failed miserably. And I want you to understand that I could have been in that moment and said, hey, I'm so glad we get to hang out in front of our new house and just look at each other for the next three hours and we could just be together. (laughs) I said said that. You think I'm kidding? Like, I totally said that. And it's true. But, you know, in those moments where we step outside of God's will and see, we think that the obstacles we think that the roadblocks and the closed doors are the thing that's really hindering us. When it's not, we're the ones hindering ourselves from fulfilling God's purpose in our life. So rather than getting afraid and living in fear and getting frustrated because things aren't going the way that we want them to go, and they're not going according to our, that was God's plan for me that day. In that moment, God wanted me to work on loving my wife like Christ loved the church and being patient and kind and gentle Everything that is uh, wrapped up in the fruit of the Spirit, and it is exactly what I did not knew. But that was what God gave me that day to grow me. Instead of walking in faith, I was frustrated. So we learn from Nehemiah how to respond to difficulty by turning to God. Please note that today. We learn from Nehemiah how to respond to difficulty by turning to God in your moment of fear, in your moment of frustration, in your moment of doubt, in your moment of confusion, in your moment of, I don't know what to do, I'm afraid, take that, turn to God in prayer, and commune with him. Peter understood this later on in life, and I, I, I totally identify with Peter, because Peter's that guy, and he's like, hey, Jesus, I'm with you till the end. If everyone forsakes you, I'm rolling with you all the way to the end. Jesus is like, Peter, you're not going to make it through the night. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the crock crows in the morning. Jesus, I'm with you. Peter comes and he's looking at Jesus from a distance and they're going through this mock trial and this girl comes up to Peter and says, I, I thought I saw you with Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Another dude comes up. I thought I saw you with Jesus. He curses at, at her, right? And then the third time again, they ask him the same thing Did we see you with Jesus, the one from Galilee? He's like, curses again. I don't know who you're talking about. And all of a sudden, the cock crows. Later on, why do you think Peter did that? He was afraid. He was afraid. He was afraid of being exposed for being a follower of Jesus Christ. And then later on in life, he says, cast all your, care, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I read through John this week, and I got to John chapter 21. And after Jesus uh, came back from the dead, he told Mary, he says, go get my disciples and Peter. And then he comes and he, he breaks bread and he cooks some fish. For Peter. And over time, Peter grew in his dependence on Christ. And if we're going to change the world, and if we're going to finish strong, we can't do it in our own strength. And somewhere along the way, Peter understood, and he began to know that we can be strong in Christ when we turn to Him. I want to ask you this morning, are you leaning into that strength? Because in the moment, it's easy to get distracted by criticism and fear and sickness and relational issues, and we lose sight of the bigger purpose. It's only when we choose to walk in dependent communion that our faith is strong. It's not your faith, it's faith in Him. God will give you the strength to to, 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 to stand steadfast in your calling. So Peter Peter had, had this, or uh, Nehemiah had this faith that was from his communion with God, but lastly, he also had a fortitude. He had a fortitude because of his convictions. And the word fortitude, some of you may not know what that means, but it means this. It's this mental and emotional strength in facing a difficulty, adversity, a danger, or temptation courageously. It's the ability to persevere in the face of difficulty, and temptations doesn't come from within. It comes from a heart settled on who God is. Now convictions are something you believe and you govern your life by that truth or principle. And for Nehemiah, this meant that God would be faithful. Nehemiah knew that, hey, look, if they attack me, if they tear down the wall, if they criticize me, if they go back and talk to King Artaxerxes about me, hey, look, God has got this. and He has been faithful up to this point, and he will be faithful to the end. And I want to ask you this morning, are you settled on who God is? Are you really settled on who God is? Do you know, man, like God loves you? I mean, not a future version of you, not like a not like a 2.0 upgraded version. And I want to tell you something. I don't know that we'll really ever grow in our faith and our our walk with God until we know that he loves us. You are the apple of his eye and he delights in you. I look at my girls and boy, they can really frustrate me. They're they're 12 and 13 and and they're girls, and they're changing, and they're doing all these weird things. And I'm just like, oh, man, sometimes it's, it's just crazy and up in the house, you know? But every time there's a, a problem, and one of us gets frustrated, I bring them in. And I say, I want you to know, this doesn't change my love for you. I will never stop loving you. There's nothing that you can do that will change that. And friends, do you know that there's nothing you can do that would change the love of God for you? Nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Do you realize that the steadfast love of, of the Lord is better than life? Do you realize this morning that God is good? Do you realize that this morning? And some of you are thinking today, well, I don't really feel like God is good. I don't have this size house. I don't live in this zip code. I don't, I don't make this much money. I don't get to go on these vacations and da 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 And so we, we begin comparing our lives with everyone else's lives. And we began to forfeit the reality in our life that God is so good to us. We forfeit the reality that God is faithful in every way. And he can't be anything but good. He can't be anything but faithful because that's who God is. And for Nehemiah, he was settled on this. He knew this. And he was going to take a difficult situation and use it to demonstrate the power of and the glory of God. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations that are less than desirable. I was listening to a man this week preach out of Ecclesiastes. And he was talking about in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and he was talking about the idea that there's a time and there's a season and you know there's a song about that. For everything there's a time. I'm not going to sing it cuz I don't know the song and I'm not a I'm not a hippie so it's not I'm not into that, right? I'm just kidding. But you guys know that song. Jerry, you can sing it afterwards. All right talked about his life and he talked about some of the struggles that he had he broke his neck in three places they had to go in and fuse his neck just so that he could he could uh you know live he said for months I was laying in bed with like excruciating pain and it was a pain that I never thought I would experience and I'm a guy that works out six days a week he's saying this not me he's like I work out six days a week and he goes I'm living life to the fullest and he's like I'm laying there and it hurts then I look around and I see my kids are grown and my kids are in church and they're married and I'm seeing them serve God. And I look and I realize this life is a gift. It's a gift. And the life that God has given you and me, it's a gift. And I'm not going to lie to you, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes you get lonely. Sometimes you get frustrated. Someone said to me this morning, and I can tell you there's been seasons in ministry, and Michael attested to this, Seasons in life and seasons in ministry that are hard and difficult and frustrating. Seasons in marriage. Aren't there rhythms to marriage? Like some years it just feels like, man, this is awesome. I'm so glad to be married. And other times you're like, whoa, you know, why don't you take a vacation by yourself? There's rhythms. If we're going to finish strong, we got to have fortitude. And that always and will only come from convictions. In verse 9, he prayed knowing that God would strengthen his hands. I love this. He says, but now, o God, strengthen my hands. In verse 14, he prayed knowing that God would protect him. He knew God would resource and rescue his servant. Friends, this changes everything. Because when you're living out the purpose of God for your life, you move forward with courage and conviction that God is faithful. You know that. God's word and his character form who we are, what we do, and how we react. And this week, like, when I responded to my wife in this ungodly, sinful, just, Horrible way to her. I wasn't responding to life in a way that honored God and the faithfulness of God. If God didn't want that door to be uh, to be locked, it would have been locked. But He knew that I can be crummy sometimes, and He wanted to show me how arrogant, mean, and, and and spiteful that I can be when someone doesn't do something I want them to do. But the Word of God forms us. You see, convictions give us the courage to move forward in the face of difficulty. So I want to encourage you today. Learn to depend on God, and he will defend your critics. Pursue his purposes, and you will persevere. You will persevere. See, Nehemiah knew the power of God to rescue. He knew the power of God to restore. This was his conviction, and he moved forward, believing that God would do what he promised. I want you to notice one thing before I begin to close out the message this morning. One thing that I want you to note today is that when Nehemiah prayed, he didn't pray asking God to remove the difficulty. He asked God for strength to face the adversity. You with me? And often when we pray, we're asking God, God, get rid of this person. They're they're a moron. I can't stand them. God, get rid of this illness. And, And we should. We should pray for healing. God, get rid of this financial struggle. God, get rid of this. God, get rid of this. What if we flipped that? We said, God, give me the inner strength to be the person you want me to be in this moment so others can be drawn to you, so that you can be lifted up, so that you can be shown, shown as sovereign, not so that my life could be less difficult, but so that your power in me can be demonstrated to those around me. And some of the people that I know that have the greatest testimony for Jesus Christ are not people that have an easy life, but are people that have a life that is filled with faith in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances. And that type of fortitude only comes from a person who has a rock-solid conviction on the Word of God regarding who God is in their life. Several years ago, I was sitting in a church on a Wednesday night. My wife and I, we were on vacation, and I was just discouraged as all get out. Frustrated, felt lonely, felt like no one cared about me. And I remember sitting in church, the pastor was preaching out of 1 Thessalonians 5, and he wasn't teaching on this text. But my eyes glanced down to 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. And it says this, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He'll do it. It's not, he might do it. He could do it. He will do it. Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Hey, listen, you're not forgotten. God knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He hasn't forgotten your address. He's not in heaven wringing his hands. He's not pacing back and forth. He's not breaking a sweat. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is ever faithful. And what he says and what he has promised to do, he will do. And so, When I think about this this morning, one of the greatest qualities that you and I might pursue in this life is a life of faithfulness. It's a life of finishing strong. It's the ability to finish. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, this really should set us apart. Like, we should finish, right? Amen? As a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be all in. We should just believe that God's going to see us through. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 20, verse 6. It says, every man proclaims his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Man, we live in a society where we're captured by Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and social media, and everyone's talking about their awesomeness and how good they are and how great their life is. Everyone talks about how good they are and how wonderful things are in their life. I want to ask you something. A faithful man who can find. You and I, when we get to heaven one day, I don't know that we're really going to be rewarded for all the things that we do. I think we're going to be rewarded in regards to our stewardship of faithfulness. Were we faithful? I don't really think that God is looking for the next Billy Graham or the next D.L. Moody or the next Charles Finney or the next William Carrier and on and on I can go, Adonai Judson and all these great figures in history. I believe the most rewarded person that will be in heaven will be the older widow lady who kneels in her home week in and week out and faithfully praise for her community and prays for her pastor and prays for her church and prays for these missionaries and, and prays for the work of God to move forward. I, I think the people that are going to be the most rewarded in heaven are going to be those who are the most nondescript disciples of Jesus Christ. No one may ever know your name, but one day we'll stand before a holy God. I don't know about you, but when we are ushered into the presence of the King, I want Him to be able to say in my life, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. So I want to ask you this morning: are you focused on your critics? Or are you focused on your calling? Are you are you taking your fears to God so that He can develop your faith? Are you developing convictions in God that strengthen your courage? Listen, no more excuses for me, for you, for any of us. Let's leave here today, knowing that, that God's purpose is. Knowing not just God's purpose, but his power to, to restore, rescue, and to restore. Do you know that today? Do you know that God has called you today? Like, do you know that? Individually and specifically, God has gifted you with abilities and talents and opportunities. But not just that, he's going to restore. He's going to restore you. He's going to rescue you. And then he's going to allow you to do that with other people around you. Are you up for that? Are you up for that? I'm going to be honest with you. It's a pretty cool life to live. Never head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you this morning, because I don't know everyone in the room today. But How many of you would say to me, Pastor Jason, I know for sure that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Heaven is my home. I'm right with God. And I know my sins are forgiven. Would you lift your hand and let me see those today? I know for certain I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, how many of you today would say to me, Pastor, I'm not certain that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I've never had a time in my life where I put my faith in Jesus, and Jesus alone. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Is there anyone that's like that that's here this morning? Anyone at all? No one's looking around. Anyone at all? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Now, how many of you say to me this morning, you know, Pastor, I want to finish strong? And here's what we have a tendency to do. We think about our past, and we think about what we've wasted. And God wants us to move from our past into the present and use our life for Him with the days that we have left. Don't waste what you have left dwelling on the past. Don't do that. But how many of you say to me this morning, God's leading me, He's calling me, He's speaking to me about some gifted area in my life that I should be using for Him, and I, I just, I want to finish strong. Would you just lift your hand this morning and let me pray for you? Man, there are hands all over their room today. Father in Heaven, I want to pray for these dear folks today that we would covenant with one another as followers of Christ and as members of Jackson Creek, to, to really lean in and follow you and use our lives, our gifts, and our resources to, to make a difference in the world in which we live. And God, sometimes that feels so immense, and it feels so like, like it has so much magnitude, and it's almost as if we can't even comprehend it. But I pray that we would get the picture today of just putting in one brick at a time and making a difference just one brick at a time, one step at a time, one opportunity at a time. I just pray that you would allow us to see your love around us, that we would be embraced by it, that we'd feel the the presence of your love, and that we would know that you're calling us, that you're leading us, and that you use ordinary, nondescript people to change the world. You don't call the qualified, you qualify the call, and I just pray that we would understand that today, that we would be empowered by your Spirit to know, do, and follow your Yes, sing in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to rise to your feet this morning. And as you do, I know today we're pretty packed in here, and sometimes it could be a little awkward, but this part of the service is a time of worship. We're going to sing a song led by our worship man, and during that time, we want to invite you to come down to this altar. And if God spoke to you this morning through the teaching of the Word of God, it just means something more to, to step out of your seat come to the altar. And bow your knee and say, God, today I surrender my life to you. Today you spoke to me about following you and and, and using my life to further your kingdom and to change this world. And God, I want to seal it right here on this altar. And I want to take this moment to make it official with you. You don't have to do that. You can do that in your seat. You can kneel right there. But there's something about coming down to an old-fashioned altar and kneeling and praying And I want to invite you to do that today as we sing this next